tonight on Unsolved Mysteries. Chicago Kidnapping, Cartel Cashweb, Rachel Runyon, The Sweetheart Swindler, and Texas Crime Spree. I'm your co-host, Crystal. And I'm your other co-host, Robert. And this is Reenacted, an Unresolved Mysteries podcast. Unresolved Mysteries? <laughs> what? <laughs> you said Unresolved Mysteries. Wow, that's strange. Usually I screw up the uh, the send-out at the end of huh, the episode. Huh, that is weird. Robbie, it's happened. We have finally... Gotten... Over a year later, <laughs> gotten t- 20... Over 25 star reviews on iTunes. Thank you for everyone who took the time out of their day to go uh, do that. Uh, there was one that really amused me. Someone thankfully gave us five stars, um, but then had a lot of like uh, sort of backhanded compliments and commentary in the body of the review itself, but they didn't leave a name. So we we couldn't include them in our contest. You kind of, uh, you <laughs> kind of have to have... Uh, a name yeah or something identifiable so sorry to that person but this means over 20 reviews we have finally come to the end of our contest we will be sending um the winner a uh provided they listen to this and get in touch with us at our email which Mm -hmm. is reenactedpod at gmail.com again that's reenactedpod at gmail.com we will send it to whatever address you give us Mm-hmm. But you have to get in touch with us. That's how this works. Yes. So um, we have very unscientifically compiled some names. Robbie has, without telling me, randomly numbered them. Mm-hmm. And so I have, a ch- of the folks who actually left their name, I'm going to pick a number between 1 and 13. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I have not seen the list. No favoritism is being applied. Yeah, despite the fact you wanted me to, to apply some favoritism to this. Well, I'm sorry. If you're going to leave like weird negs in a five... It was like... We would have included you if you had left your name, probably. But you didn't. So to that person, you know who you are. If you still listen. Very suspicious activity. We have a lot of theories on what might be going on with that review. Um, but in this universe, there are no other Unsolved Mysteries podcasts. We are the only one. Mm-hmm. Okay. I feel like I'm starting some kind of weird Twitter beef in this moment, but yeah, are, are, are you hoping to find our the, the the mission log to our greatest well, we're not uh greatest gen uh rivalry? <sighs> yeah, and much like the greatest gen to mission log rivalry, it will be very one-sided. <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> uh though really hasn't like greatest gen actually uh, like eclipsed mission log now like, yeah they started that greatest gen tried to start that that fake rap rivalry in the hopes of like you know getting yeah. noticed but they're like they're past yeah so i'm definitely trying to start some rap beef here 
anyway, but we have a winner to announce, so I'm gonna, yes. I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, insert um, some sort of lotto sound effect here. The number that I choose to win the signed Hollywood video dollar off coupon for the Twilight Zone audio. What is it? Radio, radio dramas. Radio dramas. I pick number eight. Robbie, who's the winner? Hank K. Hank K. Yeah, that was the guy who left the very first review, wasn't it? Holy shit, you're right. Hank K. So it's his. What is his last name? K E A Y. Hank K. Yes. Hank, if you if you've hung in this far, if you're still listening to us, reenactedpod at gmail.com, We will send you a gift there's there's no way he's hung in this okay long, should we maybe pick someone else should i pick a oh, different no, number? no 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 I, I mean maybe he has i'm okay. just i'm just joking but but <laughs> uh but yeah please get in touch with us hank if we don't hear from you by like late january we're gonna re- redraw yeah i think yeah okay um, so robbie keep your list secret keep it safe so i will, I will pick another number and you will announce the the runner-up winner if hank does not get he has he uh wait this is gonna air like late january so like late february okay if we don't hear from you but like late february we're gonna redraw mm-hmm. okay moving on speaking of the greatest generation robbie what did we go do last night we went to see the greatest generation at greatest gen con 2017 <laughs> well i guess they didn't have the 2017 part uh, we went to uh, their live show. We watched two guys riff on the movie um, Star Trek II Wrath of Khan. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I felt like they were totally on brand. It was We had a blast. And then we then we got to meet um, Ben Harrison and Adam Branica, the hosts of the show, after, after the show. They were just the nicest guys. I I will I will con- I I will collaborate your story. They're they both super menches. Um, they they went from having a weird little dick and fart Star Trek riff podcasts on the Next Generation to now they're going on tour. They've branched out into two other podcasts now. If you guys aren't familiar with them, there's the Greatest Generation. They're now reviewing uh, Deep Space Deep Space Nine. Nine episodes. They have another one related to Star Trek. It's about Discovery, but I think they put other things in their feed that have just Star Trek related mm-hmm. things. And then they have another one on the Maximum Fun Network called uh, Friendly Fire where they review uh, war movies. And Crystal's, Crystal's trying to get them invited as guests onto the Doughboys podcast. Yeah. So if you want to lend us an assist and, and try to Yeah, make- we're, we're lobbying, especially to get Adam Pranica, who's a huge Doughboys fan. Um, this is like, if I'm sure so many people have just like tuned out at this point. <laughs> because I feel like the Venn diagram of people who listen to our podcast, which is already a very small circle... And then the people who would listen to Doughboys and or The Greatest Generation is probably that overlap is like probably just nothing, nothing, because I don't even listen to our podcast. Like after the show, I was talking about how it would be fun to do a, a rump con. Mm-hmm. And then you, you suggested that maybe we should just actually do the show first. Yeah, I thought before <laughs> we got too far into like merchandising and, you know, going on tour, maybe we should just make more episodes consistently. Yeah, right. Well, yeah. And in all honesty, if there was to be a rump con, uh, I have a feeling it would mostly just be held in like Heather Hurd's 
living room. Uh, yeah. Do we know what part of the country Heather is uh, hailing oh, from? Oh God! Does she even live in the United States? Yeah, yeah she does. I th- <laughs> I want to say Texas. Okay. Do we know her address? Should we announce it on the on the podcast? <laughs> You know, As we're holding a RumpCon 2019. She is such a, an excellent fan of the show yeah, that really I, I suspect that like she would almost be flattered if we just voluntold her that her house would be the um, the, 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 the staging point for RumpCon. Um, yeah, I... Uh, well, as we mentioned in the previous episode, I think we're going to be churning out start chugging these things out more at factory setting uh, yeah now yeah back to, we're, we're gonna try no promises also at some point we're gonna launch a patreon uh, i mentioned in the last episode putting these things out is really time consuming and expensive um even though we're just a little dog and pony show it, it you know uh you know, both of us work full time you know robbie mentioned he's he's had some uh shall we say instability in a car situation (laughs) recently in our last episode um so you know but we we love doing this and we want to be able to keep doing it and we're kind of at the point now where we sadly have to ask our uh ask our viewers slash listeners maybe for a little bit of help uh to keep this thing going so um whatever it is that we we decide and we want to hear from you what do you want to hear from us we can have more episodes robbie um, putting down some candy while we talk about maybe like conjoined twins and other medical <laughs> anomalies or I don't I don't know like we could basically do anything we want to do here so we want to hear from you if you want us to to uh, just review movies that Robert Stack has been in like Caddyshack two or Airplane Airplane yeah. is a classic or if you want something more tangible I don't know like maybe rump stickers or something yeah merch ideas um uh. You know, I, I should point out, like, uh, while we originally did the Hollywood video coupon thing as a, you know, a gag, I mean, we we're going to send it off, but the idea was we would just be sending off this coupon with our signatures on it <laughs> and as a sort of just, you know, joke as to, but we're actually, um, for those of you, you who entered in and may still be able to win, I, mm-hmm. I don't know if we'll, uh, the, the announced winner is going to collect or not but um whoever eventually gets it uh this coupon is actually going to come in a little more elaborate situation uh we're going to get it framed uh there's going to be a picture of us uh signing the 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 coupon right Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. a a little certificate of authenticity Mm -hmm. um so i mean this this thing will be like as as you know interesting to have on your wall as anything you might get from the franklin mint mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and we are both authentically former hollywood video employees yeah so it doesn't get more real than this no no sir uh should we get into it yeah okay let's uh get on with the episode. season two episode 18 of unsolved mysteries What are we going to talk about, Robbie? <laughs> I I believe the uh, first segment was actually the baby napping segment. Ah, oh, was it? Yeah. Is this an, is this another like is this a lost loves? Did they? I I guess that's what what the category. Have you noticed that like in the intro to the show, they're like when they have the different uh, some some of the different like segment 
titles, uh, uh, you know, categories that fly by. Mm-hmm. They they include Psymed and the Investigators in those, even though those are the two of the those were one offs. One offs. When is when are we gonna get an? Oh yeah, no shit. Yeah. Uh, when are we gonna get another Psymed? I, I I don't know. Like we 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 only got the one, right? Yeah, and it was um the guy who like, was it was it medical science or prayer that pulled prayer. someone out of a coma? Yeah, I think we fell pretty hard on the side of medical the science, science. Yeah. and and dumb fucking luck too. I mean, that's probably had a lot to do with it. Dumb dumb fucking luck. Yeah, big money, big money, no whammy, lost loves. <laughs> It is a lost love stack ascending a staircase, looking directly into the camera. Where do, you, where do you think he is? I don't know. It seems like a really nice house, though. Yeah, it's very shiny. It's probably like a historical, maintained yeah, for little one of those, and stuff. One of yeah. those deals. Yeah. Um, I feel like his jacket is less aggressive. It's buttoned a little higher than the last episode. Hmm. He had a very like aggressive blazer. Yeah, it it, it, it looks fairly just nondescript i mean yeah. i don't know how to describe an aggressive blazer but in my <laughs> mind it's big shoulder pads it's button Rasheed low wallace uh okay so the first segment is a lost loves it is a grown man who uh discovered somehow from like bullies on the schoolyard <laughs> yes this this young man named uh, was it jeffrey harding Mm-hmm. discovered like bullies were taunting him about like a brother he that he allegedly had some brother that he didn't know about mm-hmm. so. and somehow they were on in the know because when he came home and his mom <laughs> revealed he did yeah his mom leads leads the little jeffrey up to the attic they open a trunk they start looking through newspaper clippings so they're up in the attic and you know the mom is weaving this very sad tale uh, that uh his his older brother had been kidnapped when when the child was just a baby yeah. and uh you know obviously jeffrey is distraught he's been looking his whole life for this brother mm-hmm. um uh story goes this is like what back it looks back in the 1960s For, 50s 40s, 40s jesus because jeffrey <laughs> finds out about it in 1953 okay so back in the 1940s mom's putting uh putting the little baby not jeffrey his older brother in the the pram the buggy to go to the store well while she's at the store a couple of you know nice looking teenage girls come in uh and they're like oh your baby's so cute it's like i like your baby and then she's like oh that's not weird and because it isn't you people like to comment on the cuteness of babies anyway this is where it gets real strange a mom picks up her groceries she's wheeling the baby buggy it's the groceries are the groceries sitting on the baby <laughs> She's uh, like using this pram like as a half shopping cart, half baby carriage situation. It does seem to be the case, yes. So she's wheeling, wheeling uh, this kid back to her apartment or whatever. So this is, I don't know, this is kind of fucked. So the mom motions at a neighbor that's like sh- in the reenactment shaking out a blanket or a rug. Uh, on the upstairs porch saying hey i gotta run my groceries in real quick can you watch my baby this is where this stops making sense because who what on earth why wouldn't you just go put the baby inside first and then come back out and get your groceries yeah i mean really think about it here if you're in a neighborhood where things are getting stolen maybe Mm -hmm. maybe presumably yeah what would you rather have be stolen your groceries or your baby 
maybe she was going from the rationale that people were more interested in stealing the groceries than the baby. I mean, that makes sense, but I, I don't know. Maybe I'm but, but a baby would be more difficult to replace. Right. Um, so while she's inside, the neighbor lady looks away. These two teen girls come snatch the baby up, uh, run away. So her husband comes home. They show that they're nervously waiting on the couch. They get a phone call as if they were expecting it, which I know they weren't. So this is kind of a weird part of the reenactment. Right. Uh, they get this phone call. This woman or girl saying very cryptically, I'm going to bring your baby back. But she doesn't give any information. She doesn't ask for ransom. She basically just basically just hangs up the phone. I like how the guy playing the husband, like he doesn't have any lines. Mm-hmm. So he's doing his best to just like leave an impression on the film. Yeah. Uh, making the most of his. He's uh, silently the- acting very hard yeah. behind, behind <laughs> the woman playing the mother. So the police get involved. Uh, the FBI get involved, allegedly. After some number of days, they don't have any leads. They don't know what happened to the baby. And they're basically like, well, just get used to yep. not having a kid. Yep. Deal with it. <laughs> I guess. Uh, and I, I think that's like when we initially watched this together, that's where you uh, pointed out to me that th- this may have something to do with the fact that the family's black. I, d- I implied it. I said, well, it sure didn't seem like they were looking very hard. No. Uh, I I think they did a fairly decent job with like uh, the, the reenact- reenactment up to that point, having mm-hmm. the clothes old time cars i mean they clearly turned what, what was like a modern day like little off a uh, uh, little space into like you know put, put the old timey cans up and stuff um uh so it's um i mean i can't really vouch specifically for the historical accuracy but it felt it felt like you know it, it was there's nothing in it in that reenactment to jar you like oh that's an anachronism mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so i don't understand what was the fireworks connection i yeah. what I, is this i was wondering if uh this the this yeah because we we then get a reenactment that shows gives us well, there's a bunch of like america banners so is this like on the fourth of july of weekend july, or something yeah uh, maybe world war ii had just successfully completed. there's some sailors yeah um we get like a partial re uh clue in that like a different individual an older woman uh, had a teenager come up to her with a baby at this train is station. yeah this is all going to all the sparklers and fireworks and america banners are all happening at a train station train station and it's i mean it's, the and this is where this is probably the weakest part of the reenactment because like a lot of these reenactors like they they're basically acting as they would if they didn't have sparklers but they Mm -hmm. just happen to have sparklers in their hands and they're just walking Mm -hmm. along with sparklers Mm -hmm. going (laughs) as if they're completely oblivious to to their Mm -hmm. presence Mm -hmm. um but you know, in this reenactment, we see the the woman waiting with the baby. <laughs> well, there's we get a brief glimpse of uh, the stand-in for the baby, and it's very clearly a plastic doll, <laughs> which is funny to me. Its hand is very immobile. Um, yeah. yeah. So this so this teen girl walks up to this older woman at the train station and says, "Hey, can you watch my baby? I have to run in the restroom." Well, the girl never comes back, and it's time for this woman to get on the train. Uh, mm-hmm. So she gets on the train with the baby because she's sure Mm -hmm. that makes sense and uh she gets to where she's going and um 
This is oh, I think this is Grand Central Station in L.A. where they filmed this. Maybe oh, interesting. This okay. is a really pretty train station. Wait a minute, Grand Central Station is in New York. I meant Union Station. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's uh, whatever whatever station it is, it's filling in for like something in like the South, the South somewhere. Yeah. This might be Ohio. I don't remember, but it's a very pretty train station. Anyway, so the older woman who's still holding the baby, she runs and finds some train porters. Mm-hmm. train porters you know who you report emergencies to informs them of the situation yeah said hey i got this baby if you hear anything i'll be in magnolia arkansas <laughs> gotta go uh she doesn't now this is the part where i'm very confused this woman has a baby the only person people she allegedly tells are the train porters i don't know why she didn't talk to the police or security or call someone back at the, at the it really feels like no attempt was made <laughs> by this woman and in the reenactment she says something like well i already raised nine children what's one more Lord. and i'm like this is what <laughs> but presumably that baby belongs to someone and they want it back <laughs> so like what was going on this is like some kind of weird horse trading with well i i gather like one suggestion they had was that um maybe she got the impression because she was getting it from a teenage girl mm-hmm. that maybe this teenage girl had gotten herself uh, pregnant, gave birth mm-hmm. and was just, th- didn't want it. And was just, this was like her giving it to the, the, the older woman at the train station was like the equivalent of leaving it in a bundle in front of the fire department or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, but it, it's definitely is strange that, you know, despite, you know, uh, th- this this notion that this woman may have had as to what the origin uh, of, of this baby was that, again, she she didn't really she could have made a more elaborate effort to. She basically made no effort. To, <laughs> she, no, to, she told two porters at uh, the station she sorry. arrived at. Sorry. That, you know, and it's like if anyone uh, uh, needs me, find you know, they can find me in Magnolia, Arkansas. Um, and. uh <laughs> so throughout this whole tale jeffrey is uh he's hired a private investigator who's also interviewed uh, the private investigator seems to have put most of the uh clues together and uh and then uh, then the segment ends <laughs> yeah they go they travel down to magnolia arkansas and they can't find, find nope and and we, that's it yeah end of segment he never <laughs> poor jeffrey hardy never found his brother no presumably he did not so well crystal did you like this segment uh no i thought it was real trash um <laughs> I, i'm i'm left with more questions just as to you know why didn't the police follow up why didn't this woman who because we're basically going on like decades old tales of whatever we're told to train borders that's really the only clue we have to go on here <laughs> right so all of that could be bullshit too we don't even know yeah i mean this is uh it just goes to show you know the perils of when you live in the pre-facebook era or just the pre i don't it just makes me feel like babies were just something you could just get well you know they've kind of in past segments of the show hasn't it kind of shown baby people being a little bit more casual with babies in the past like well apparently they're leaving them outside while you're while they bring the groceries in first which is Mm -hmm. which is 
I don't know. That's kind of nuts to me. <laughs> that's yeah. my first, well, like, what's going on? So Yeah, why, why is it that, like, she can't just bring the baby in and then immediately come out? Yeah, put the baby in the cradle in the house mm-hmm. and then then get your groceries get your groceries um yeah i mean and plus i mean it's it's would be one thing if she was just like walking up the steps to put the groceries on the table in the kitchen mm-hmm. but it kind of feels like she was in there a while like she was mm-hmm. actually emptying like the putting bag, the groceries away <laughs> the gr- groceries while the away. baby is outside in the in the <laughs> buggy yeah um well i guess she didn't make that mistake twice huh Jeffrey, uh, presumably. Je- yeah, yeah. Je- Jeff, Jeff, Jeffrey, uh, <laughs> Jeffrey's still present. <laughs> All right. Segment two is uh, we have a cocaine. Pe- yeah, cocaine yeah. dealer. Pedro. Pedro. He uh, he's wanted. Um, he worked for the Medellin cartel. Allegedly. Oh, I'm impressed you remember that. I couldn't. I couldn't. Well, I, I just couldn't pronounce it, so I didn't memorize yeah, it. Yeah, that's the whole Escobar enterprise. Oh, I see. So Pedro um, had a very elaborate way of stashing coke and moving it around. I think this is in some New town J- in New Jersey. New Jersey, yeah? suburban New Jersey. Yeah. Um, they show a very lovely neighborhood in the reenactment. They're driving around of uh these very nice houses in new jersey and uh and they show pedro apparently reading from the bible to his <laughs> associates like. at the like kitchen table bible study yeah it looks he's wearing you know there's a lot of turtlenecks and gold chains and hairdos in this reenactment and uh uh joe a young joe piscopo's there um <laughs> i i like how they they mentioned that like he one of his couriers had misplaced 75 kilos of cocaine mm-hmm. so he had he's to, just like where did i i don't know where to go yeah that's what stuck it's a out lot of to, coke to lose yeah i mean he had him killed along with his family but i'm like how do you just misplace 75 kilos of cocaine? look at his tiny espresso cup he, he menacingly um, drinks from yeah you, you will see that he is drinking out of like a miniaturized little cup it yeah is, it's a little espresso it, it is adorable yeah meanwhile the fbi is like Across the street, trying to trying to get some evidence. Uh, so the whole deal was, uh, Pedro had all these houses in suburban New Jersey where he would store cocaine, and then uh, for a <laughs> week or two at a time, would have a, a fake family come in and just pretend to live there. A, yeah. And I, then uh, all the while, there was some sort of uh, caretaker that was in the know. Give the appearances of you know the house being busy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so uh, eventually the police start f- figure out what the hell is going on and they start raiding all these houses. I, I found the reenactment of the um, raid to be, it stuck out to me primarily because there was a guy mm-hmm. kind of vaguely looked like George Jefferson. Mm-hmm. Um, but when he busts in, he has this shotgun and the way he's just, waving it around is like so erratic that I can't imagine any actual FBI agent acting like that. Uh. <laughs> um, so yeah. So then there's, what is there's like a, a house they go into and everything seems 
hunky dory until the police dog <laughs> sniffs out under a house plant. There's like a ton of cash. Well, no, no, like that was a subsequent house. The first mm. house they went into, like the the drugs were just stored in all the cabinets. Yeah, there's the like microwave. there was kilos of coke in the microwave and the oven. This probably went on for a really long time. It seems like it would have been tough to catch on. Yeah, I, I what think, was happening just because they they went so far to like cover their tracks and make it just seem like families were living in these houses. Right, right. Um, <laughs> yeah, here's the raid. Uh, and here's the shotgun situation. Oh man, well, watch Chris. What, what? Yeah, this guy's getting wild with that shotgun. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's all the cocaine. Oh, there, did you, there's a bottle of honey though. If you want to make some tea. Oh man, that some Folgers. Good. But it's mostly cocaine in this house. Yeah, mostly uh, drugs, drugs, um, drugs in the in the microwave, drugs in the tea kettle, drugs in the back of the toilet, and like from this, they have enough that they can go raid the other houses. Yeah, uh, and that's where they. Yeah, so this house, otherwise, is the second house they go into is like pretty much clean. But then the dog sniffs out in this plant that there's I don't know how much cash was in the bottom of this plant. Oh, was it like? Seven hundred thousand. Yeah, and uh, that dog's a good boy. But the good reason, boy, yeah, yeah he's d- totally good boy. The reason the dog was able to sniff it out is because there was so much cocaine <laughs> on the money that the dog smelled it. Uh, question. Yeah. Did you ever hear? There's like an urban legend that there's something about there's like so much residual cocaine on American money from this time. <laughs> from all the people using it to snort Mm -hmm. up cocaine yeah and all the drug money have you ever heard that before it's probably like not there's probably been so much new money printed since then that it's not really but i remember hearing this in the 90s that because of just the proliferation of the drug business that every american bill was covered in some kind of residual amount of cocaine i don't distinctly remember hearing that urban legend but Mm -hmm. that does sound exactly like an urban legend that would be <laughs> Did, circulating. I wonder around. if anyone actually like tested this. They just took a gosh, random selection of bills that were in circulation. Maybe it's, they did it on Mythbusters. They're looking for Pedro. Uh, Here yeah, he is. He managed to get away. He got away. And he really got away because we do not get an update. No update. So they they like they they found and and like convicted some of his accomplices right but not him he he no there's no update yeah so far this has been like a very unsatisfying episode okay did you like the segment um it was okay i mean there really was not anything exceptionally interesting about i mean it was sort of neat you know the, the idea that he's like bringing in different families and that they're rotating around like one family per week. Mm-hmm. So it's like if you're well, the... that in and of, of itself would be kind of suspicious. But also like were the families in the know about because they're probably just trying to live there for a week and they're they can't really do anything because all the appliances are filled with cocaine. <laughs> cocaine. <laughs> yeah, I mean it, it's it's probably a huge inconvenience for them. Um, I don't know, like. I mean, they they don't discuss the background story on these folks. I assume I assume that they're just migrant people that are at the mercy of of Pedro. Mm-hmm. Like, look, you're gonna you know pretend to live here and you're gonna li- pretend to live there, and if you don't, I'm gonna turn you into you know mm-hmm. the immigration services or something. Yeah, maybe I don't I don't know. I don't know. That's just a conjecture on my part. Um, 
Because really, I mean, who signs up for that? Like, you're going to live in a different house each week, and you're going to pretend that everything's normal, and see? Just, yeah, and just ignore all <laughs> the cocaine everywhere. <laughs> just like, yeah, don't, don't get into the cocaine. Uh, that's not for you. Segment three. Stacks in the trench coat, in the airplane hangar. Oh, this that- is an unexplained death big uh um murder spree oh yeah yeah it's uh it's uh no shit oh no it's this one. Oh shit this is really Fuck. a quick one so they basically just tell us about a dead kid and then move on yeah it's it's one of those really brief brief yeah um, I, I mean the long and short of it is uh, there was a young girl who was murdered in utah uh and her uh, I don't even want to repeat what they think happened to her. They have a suspect. And they, at some point, naturally, they interject. Because, like, I guess a few was a few years later, someone finds some, like, uh, yeah, the writing. Note, <laughs> note inscribed in the bathroom of a laundromat says, Beware, I'm still at large. I killed the little Runyon girl. Remember, beware, with an upside-down cross in 666. So, I mean, it's a little implied. They really zoom in on that. Upside upside down cross in six six six. It's kind of an implied satanic panic. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's I mean it's not a full segment of satanic panic, but Lieutenant Phil Olmstead mm-hmm. of the Sunset Police Department, uh, he does drop the possibility that there is a satanic element at work here. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, they just drop a bunch of bad news on us. Yeah. Uh, they believe that there's a videotape of what happened to this little girl, um, which I assume is the videotape that they view in True Detective season one that we never see on camera. Uh, it's truly horrible, um, and no updates. So moving on. There's nothing to joke about here. This just sucks, and they yeah. just kind of dump it on us. So. Yeah. The um. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, segment four. Okay. <laughs> I think segment four is going to be the sweetheart swindler. Oh, this, why? Oh, yep, here we are. Mm. So this is a little bit in the vein of Con, Con Juan. Smooth operator starts committing fraud by infiltrating Lonely Hearts clubs and friendship circles and personal ads. And so we get the, 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 the woman that's interviewed um she anonymous yeah yeah probably out of embarrassment mm-hmm. um she weaves this whole story about she gets this phone call one day saying i'm phil so-and-so and we met do you remember and she doesn't remember ever meeting this person mm-hmm. uh but she so this guy's really persistent and said hey do you want to meet up for a drink she goes okay so they meet up for a drink. They go on like two dates and then he's talking about them getting married and stuff, <laughs> which is would be really weird and creepy. I think mm-hmm. if anyone did that. But apparently he's so smooth. Oh, Sarah quotes in Shadow is the swindler victim. Yes. Um, R- Robbie, do you, do you make any observations about this particular reenactment? Any standouts? Oh, in terms of the actual uh, reenactment mm-hmm. itself. Um 
you know, I mean, there there wasn't anything goofy. I I, I had trouble understanding. Uh, what's the alcoholic drink that has orange juice? It's mim- it's a mimosa. They're having mimosas. Mimosas. I just thought they were ha- drinking orange juice on on their date. Well, which... they gotta get their vitamin C. Yeah. Well, totally. Of course. But it's probably a mimosa. All right. Um, but yeah, like. Uh, the reenactment itself is played fairly straight. I mean, you know, they have a couple of things where, like, when he shows some of the jewelry he allegedly sells, he's like... Oh, yeah, he doesn't, like, he doesn't have a car (laughs) because uh, it's being used by his driver to run an errand. In a nearby town or something? Yeah. Yeah, so, but, like, in the narration, we get the... uh, It's suggested that... He makes this pitch like, look, I go all over the country selling this jewelry. I stay in these big fancy hotels and eat at these French restaurants and and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm just tired of doing it alone. And I guess the idea is like Sarah found it kind of appealing, like this idea that she could just like live this life of travel and wealth Mm -hmm. uh, with this guy. Um, uh, So, yeah, there's a scene where he's like dumping out rings She's at dinner with him and her girlfriend and... Uh, I think it's her daughter, actually. Oh, her daughter. Yeah. And he's, like, dumping out jewels on the table and he's like, hey, baby girl, you like rocks? I got rocks. <laughs> Look at this big old diamond. Yeah, and then, like, he, he like he starts slamming one, uh, fake slamming it, maybe, against the table surface and, like, Sarah's like, no, what are you doing? And he's like, it's a diamond. It can't break. Yeah. Uh, um. <laughs> what's at least how this is edited or what this woman quote unquote Sarah seems to focus on a lot is sort of these promises of uh, wealth and material goods Mm -hmm. um, that he's offering. She talks about how immediately he was talking, he was going to get her like a five carat diamond engagement ring. Um, You know, I think sometimes the reason that these cons work is because they appeal to people's vanity. Mm hmm. I don't want to say someone deserves to get conned, but no. if it's that easy, yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, it's uh, well, what was it like in one of the 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 fraud segments earlier? Someone said something like, or in the previous episode, someone said something like, "If it's too good to be true," uh, and I mean, surely this has to be too good to be true, right? Yeah, but I don't. She's not making an argument that that's very substantive. Saying you know he was so sweet, he was so kind to me. It was just like what he could offer, right? Materially. Anyway, this all leads up into her. Uh, like he he has a check that he says that he has has had made out to her for five thousand. Right. So the deal is she's taking that check to her bank and then writing him a check. Or something or giving him the cash out of her account mm-hmm. apparently this was uh th- this check was stolen from his former mark mm-hmm. um but the bank manager anyway says oh looks you guys seem nice we'll just hand you five thousand dollars well i think he, he he recognized sarah as a regular customer uh, to some degree yeah it was something but, like but but you're right there is like a huge amount of credulousness going yeah. on all around here yeah for sure yeah so she ends up handing him like three thousand dollars. I like in the reenactment, like as soon as he has the money in his hand, he's yeah. focused on it. Like you know, his demeanor kind yeah, of changes. Yeah, just he just slips that right in his pocket. <laughs> um. Anyway, so they are all in the car, her car, mm-hmm. 
Well, because, yeah, because his driver's still right, out on his, the errand. His driver, several days later, is out on the errand. <laughs> Presumably, all of this is going down, like, super fast, too. Yeah, within, I think, I think it's within a couple of days, yeah. the way it's all happening, yeah. So, Sarah is with her daughter in a hotel, and they're supposed to meet up with uh, whatever his name, Phil. I'm calling him Phil. I'm not even sure if that's the name he was going by. Um, they meet up and they're supposed to meet in the lobby of this hotel and yada, yada, yada. Anyway, homie never shows up, of course. Um, Mm -hmm. and then does she report him to the police? Uh, well, I think the thing is, is like what she quickly discovers after this was because the check was, um, right. The check that was written to her bounced, bounced. And so she ends up being out that Mm $5,000, um, and we, th- well, it turns out, I mean, this guy's been a, a poli- prolific uh, con artist. Um, he's, as, as you mentioned earlier, he's, he's targeting the, uh, the friendship clubs and mm-hmm. the, then the newspapers and yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, and that's the thing is like a lot of it is like, he's just, it feels like he's just cold, cold, he's cold calling these women. Yeah. And, he, you know, he, he mentions, like, oh, he comes up with the story, like, oh, we met X number of years ago or something at yeah. whatever. Um, well, what, and one of the things, too, that Sarah's very careful to mention is that he was persistent, but not, he didn't seem like he was trying to get in her pants. He wasn't pushing her in that way. Right, right. That probably, I guess, helped put her at a little bit at ease. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, you know, it's... Um, in in an era where we have like these incel guys going around on like killing sprees alleging Mm -hmm. that they can't Mm -hmm. like get a date Mm -hmm. uh this guy shows that you can just like cold call someone Mm -hmm. telemarketer insurance style Mm -hmm. and get a date you sure can and not only get a date but get a date with a someone who will like uh, subsequently end up giving you thousands of dollars yeah i mean guys don't make it harder than it is just just open the phone book and get to work okay <laughs> that's the takeaway from this segment uh so anyway the, i guess the cops have been on to this guy for a while he's been around uh, multiple identities multiple identities ripped off dozens of women they also suspect just out of embarrassment most women don't contact the cops because you yeah. know they've been had essentially um so we do get an update with this mm-hmm. uh i always love I, as just as much as i love seeing the real con juan and what he looked like yeah i was really holding my breath for what the, uh <laughs> this guy phil the sweetheart swindler would uh oh. would look like and i was uh just as disappointed <laughs> That's really the thing, though. Like, you think these guys are going to be, like, handsome, and they're not. These, I mean, they look like dirtbags. Yeah, no Absolutely. Totally. Well, the thing is, is if you're targeting people who are lonely, uh, you probably, I mean, that helps your, your odds of chance, uh, success. And then with, the, you know, this guy in particular, like you say, he's sort of, he's pitching a lifestyle, yeah. And it's, you know, it's sort of like, the, it's the same thing that helps uh, so many people fall for 419 scams coming out of my, Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Like, greed will just yeah. well, over, override common sense sometimes. Um, so, Alfred Barraquette, a Canadian national, that's who he really was. Uh, he was convicted of bank fraud. 
And he has since served his time and been released for whatever. I assume, though, when he was cold calling people, though, he probably had quite a few no's before he got to a yes. Oh, yeah. yeah I, I'm sure, like, that his his method was pretty much it's similar to, like, if you're just cold calling, selling insurance or something. This is there's a lot of segments in this episode. Yeah, they kind of just jammed them. Uh, they really, them they really did. Um, segment five is uh, what I am calling uh, "Wanted: Colon The First Purge." Holy shit, <laughs> boy, does it feel like that! This is we we start out with Robert Stack like barging into yeah. a detective uh, office. Yeah, here we've been waiting for him. Yeah. And he enters, ready to address us. Uh <laughs> the story that he tells us is quite terrifying, honestly, and it oh, just yeah. it's just a series of sort of senselessly violent acts. Uh Robbie, do you want to do the rundown of okay. what's going on here? Uh we start out in Gainesville, uh Texas, which is a it's what, a suburban area uh of like dallas or something sure um and we get like two gentlemen who are return uh turning back to their home and they see that these two very stereotypically either punk or satanic uh, metalheads from the 80s are like looking in the neighbor's truck and uh or car and doing so in a manner that would suggest you know nefarious action so they uh drive up to them and you know like hey what are you doing and the the leader of the, the these two is like oh we're, we're just trying to you know we need to use the phone and one of these uh two friendly uh, rural folk is like well there's no phone inside the car and the guy like is so grateful to just you know have them drive away he's like yeah we'll just we'll use the uh the one down uh, by the store and this um, this sort of attempted aborted uh, car theft is just the first uh, is the you know the least bloody incident in a series that just starts to roll out of control mm-hmm. uh, because subsequently very soon afterwards a woman named Tina gosh what was her name Tina um, she returns home to her home with her child and they do a really really unsettling reenactment where you see the actress come in with her kid she hears a noise and naturally does not just leave the trailer but you know continually asks who's there who's there Mm -hmm. she puts the kid down and then you get this like pov shot of this like dark shadow moving in the uh the bedroom through the doorway and she walks into the kitchen and wham gets hit with uh, I don't know, a huge, huge suitcase or something? Looks like a VCR, maybe. VCR, yeah. She's killed. Thankfully, like, they don't do anything to her uh, uh, son, who mm-hmm. is probably the only survivor out of all these run-ins. Um, they proceed to, like, I guess she had a couple of rifles. Uh, yeah, she had some guns, guns in her house. And they steal her car. And this begins a series of, like, I think you had speculated they were on PCP or something. This seems, it's so violent and it seems so random Mm -hmm. that it seems like they were on some kind of crazy drug. Yeah. I don't, I don't know, like, what kind of drug would make people do this. Mm Mm-hmm. 
but it's definitely it's definitely not in your vein of like opiates probably yeah no, no it's not a very chill situation not at all no um the the thing they then immediately proceed to do after after having stole killed this woman and stolen her car they go to the household of cecil and cecil morrison mm-hmm. a father and son yeah Cecil and Cecil Law Firm. Lawford, yeah. Um, You know, pull the old, like, we need to use her phone thing. And before the guy can even really say no, they barge barge in with the the rifles. And apparently we're told that they proceed to torture these two old men for hours, beating Mm -hmm. them with the rifles before finally killing them. Yeah. It was was really savage. Yeah. Um, And then... (laughs) Then they steal their car? Their car. A neighbor spots them getting into the truck that the belongs to the Morrisons. Mm-hmm. I mean, this this is this is like this this is just one continuous circular pattern of them mm-hmm. like killing a poor innocent person, stealing their car, mm-hmm. ditching the car, killing someone else stealing their car and just continuing on and like yeah they did this in a big pretty pretty big radius of like texas oklahoma and arkansas i think yeah it was it was cross state yeah um they dispose of the truck uh they seem very fond of driving it into like yeah they keep driving it into like a lake or a a river lake or a river um i believe they yeah they throw the shot the the rifles away from the morrison murder apparently a tow truck driver like passed them by while they're on foot two or three times Mm um you know this and then they naturally they find the house of another victim in this case it was uh was it kenneth obi was the Mm -hmm. name of the guy Mm -hmm. uh who was a, a very nice guy uh, in that he was willing to come out with them to help them with their broken, their alleged broken down car. Mm-hmm. And really at this point, I'm, I'm shocked that people in the eighties would like open their door at night and let people in if they needed to quote unquote, use the phone. This yeah. seems like the all time ultimate trap. Yeah. I, I would think by the 1980s we've, I mean, this is post like, clockwork orange well it's all yeah it's post clockwork <laughs> orange exactly but it's also like you know we know what serial killers are at this point so we don't do that anymore you guys yeah i mean you could have you could just say like i will call them for you yeah but um uh what's his name uh kenneth kenneth uh agrees he leaves his girlfriend at home he agrees to go off with the guys to wherever he drives them to the, where they're say their broken down truck is Mm -hmm. and then they get to the middle of nowhere and there's no truck and uh what they do they have another gun or something yes i think that somehow they have pistols okay they have a pistol and they basically just execute this poor guy right um and then steal his car um but that was this is the last one right yeah this is the last action uh the last murder Mm -hmm. um they they gun gun him down the reenactment I mean, all the all the violence in the reenactment is just really intense. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's 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 very memorable. Uh, horribly sad though. And naturally, of course, when they take Kenneth's car, mm-hmm. <laughs> it ends up in yet another body of water. Yeah, it ends up in some rancher's pond or something. And that's where we're introduced to 
Bud Sprouse? Bud Sprouse, uh, <laughs> shoe detective. Shoe. <laughs> a man who can, like, discern the absolute sizes of shoes. Yeah, he said that there was a two sets of footprints, and he's very specific. He's like, one was about eight and a half, another was a size ten. Mm-hmm. Um, Bud Sprouse, shoe detective. Yeah. Uh, so 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 yeah, I mean at the very least we had the sh- the size of the feet of the assailants to go off of which yeah probably would not have helped no that's describing probably most yeah so guys. we went from Gainesville Texas to Farmsville Texas to Saratoga Arkansas, Arkansas back to Brown Springs Oklahoma which is Sorry. just across the border apparently from Gain- yeah. Gainesville Texas well yeah. you know the thing about doing cross state crimes is that's a pretty quick way to get the FBI involved that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I think like the, the clue that finally, uh, brings things. Yeah. They find this earring. Yes. There's, you know, later in this segment, they were trying to like connect this earring to some neighbors of the, the first gal who was murdered. Was that it? I don't don't understand. I I think they lived in the neighborhood of, you know, um, where they were going to steal that truck. Mm-hmm. The, the first vehicle or the first car from, but got uh, stopped. So this earring is a bat holding a skull. It's 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 pretty creepy looking. And well, it looks kind of like generic hot topic okay. stuff. Then yeah. they're interviewing some kid who came forward to say that the I recognize the earring. Yeah, kid has a hickey on his neck and he's smoking when he's talking to the cops. It's pretty pretty much a dirtbag situation but at least he came forward to yeah. provide information right yeah and there's some kind of neighborhood earring swap that he was in on <laughs> i th- th- that's what astounded me it was like yeah there's a, like we're trading earrings all around um i mean like, i guess it was the 80s it was a simpler time right yeah i mean you really got to disinfect that stuff though before you're wearing your friend's earrings so you can get an infection in and your he, he loaned it out to a guy named what was it john John Cowell who like didn't remember like he didn't distinctly remember having that specific earring yeah but um yeah but these guys were these teen hoodlums were seen uh leaving the the guy who came forward his house yeah yeah uh although I don't think those who the guy that the neighbor named the teen boy named I don't think that ends up being who they pick up for this no no it doesn't because like um like oh spoiler yeah we get an update yeah here we go uh the the assailants were a william glenn henry and a davy lynn crockett <laughs> davy crockett <laughs> <laughs> so you got a real texas uh, alamo th- situation going on yeah thankfully they got sentenced hardcore yeah they got their texas justice yeah, yeah they were sentenced to s- consecutive 99 year terms so Hey, they're probably still in prison. Yeah. How about that? Um, <laughs> then we get an update, uh, uh, you know, after an entire episode of Savage Murder and Unsolved Crimes. Yeah. We get an update about f- fumbles. Fumbles. Yeah. But we already got the update when we talked about fumbles. Yeah. But I guess, you know, it's it makes it a, it's a slightly less dark uh, thing to end with, you know, uh, guy who didn't he didn't kill anyone right no he just, no he, he just dropped a bunch of stuff when he was robbing <laughs> banks yes did you like this last segment robbie 
it kept my attention. I'll say that for sure. It was it, it just the senseless of senselessness of the violence was just really terrifying. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there's there's very there's been very few segments like that. Like mm-hmm. I mean, we've had some senseless violent like stuff. Some of it seems like more, you know, someone gets angry at a stranger and kill mm-hmm. these guys like just went around cold-bloodedly killing people. Yeah. I mean, it was just like a bad version of Grand Theft Auto. Basically. Basically, yeah. If if instead of like whatever character in Grand Theft Auto, you basically have a um, older version of the heavy metal kid from the movie The Gate. Hmm. You, you mm. remember The Gate with uh, Stephen Dorff? No. no. About the kids that like opened a portal to hell in their backyard? No. Oh. I didn't see this movie. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, he has his best Stephen Dorff's best friend in that film is this kid named Terry who's like a real metalhead. Mm-hmm. But like he's a but he's also a nerd at the same time, mm-hmm. so he kind of looks funny. Anyway, uh, but that that's the same sort of attire and dress uh of uh that they have these two uh, punk kids and mm-hmm. Yeah, they're like toned down lost boys, I would say. Yeah. Well, I think that's probably it. Yeah, there's not not really. We've, I feel like we really jammed through that episode. I just, I, you know, it was a lot of ground to cover and. Right. The previous episode was sort of we had a lot of resolved cases and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this one was kind of the opposite. We had like a lot of people who didn't get reunited with their lost love or yeah, they criminals were just who got away. Throwing a lot of stuff at the wall here. Yeah. No. Yeah. You're right. This was like. If you throw in, if you count the update and, you know, the uh, two minute sad tale about the poor girl. Oh, God, that was the worst. This was technically like, what, five segments? It was. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. It was. Uh, So anyway, if you're still with us, um, we'd love it if you rated us five stars on iTunes or any other place that you can possibly give us a five star review. (laughs) Review. Yeah. Please leave your name because uh, the thing is, is even though we've done our drawing for the uh, Hollywood video thing, I have a feeling that there could be a new drawing. Yeah, absolutely. We haven't we haven't uh, come up with anything yet, but we'd really like to. So please leave your just an identifiable name. It doesn't have to be your real name. You can get in touch with us later with your real name, but just a name Mm -hmm. would be real great. So if you write a review for us on, I guess you can review us on Facebook too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That, that, if you do it on iTunes or Facebook, um, we are at reenacted pod on Twitter. Uh, we have the Facebook page, um, reenacted pod at gmail.com. If you're Hank key, please let us know mm-hmm. soon so we can get this thing off to you. Uh, I, s- I think that's, is that it? Soon. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Okay. You want to do the thing? For every mystery, there is someone somewhere who knows the truth. Perhaps that someone's watching. Perhaps it's you.